Hey, you can have a seat. Thanks so much for uh, joining us wherever you may be, physical location or watching online. Welcome home. My name is Daniel. I get the honor of teaching uh, God's word today in part five of a series we're calling Habits for Change. Uh, How do we change in this midst of this crazy life we live? I would normally tell you at this point to open your Bibles to a specific location, but we're going to be all over uh, the Bible today uh, in this habit that I'm calling, I don't know, slow if you want to call it that. Uh, The easiest way to follow along is in the Northridge uh, app in the notes section. You can see all the notes there. Well, a couple of weeks ago, my wife and I, with our family, our family consists of myself, my wife, Rena, and our two boys. We have a 17-month-old and a one-month-old. And so we were getting in the car uh, to go and buy groceries. That's right. I said buy groceries, not pick them up. We're the weird weirdos that like to like, actually go in the store and be like this banana over that banana uh, and pick them out ourselves. And so we were going there, but it had uh, just s- snowed a little bit that day. Fresh snow was on the ground. The plows hadn't ran. The salt trucks hadn't ran yet. So the w- roads were slightly slippery. And as we were backing out of the driveway, I was driving. And, and I, after I checked both ways, uh, to preface this, I gave it a little extra gas as we slid out into the road just to see what would happen, right? Uh, I'm a guy, I like to see, a little testy, all right? And so, uh, and uh, I wanted to see what my wife would do, what my boys would do, all those different things. And we were safe. Uh, And my 17-month-old in the back seat, his name's Wells, he goes, whoa. And he starts chuckling and laughing. And my wife looks at me, we both start laughing and we head to the grocery store. And and she says on on the ride there, she says, you know, I think that boys always like to feel just a little bit out of control. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's right. He, he's a thrill seeker to the core uh, of who he is, uh, just like his mom and dad. But I began to think about that statement, that, that feeling, like we all desire to feel something. And I started thinking about it in preparation for this message. And I really was wrestling around this idea of like, oh, we all want to feel something. Like, you know, that's right. Like how we live our lives and, and the way we go about it, we're all looking for something right? In, our, in the way we live every day. But we want to know that really this one feeling, I feel like that's at the core of all of us, is purpose. Like we all desire to feel purpose, that our life isn't just a, a chance of random coincidence, but it's on purpose. And in fact, we're living on purpose, that the way that we live our lives, how we go about it is intentional and it's fulfilling a purpose. We don't just want to be just a, another cog in the wheel or anything like that. We want to live on purpose. But my argument this morning is we're going about it in the really wrong way. Uh, Tell me if this has ever been you. You could either be either person in a scenario. There's two people, person A and B, we'll call them. Person A walks up to person B and it doesn't matter the scenario. Church lobby, Wegmans, out and about, wherever you may be. They walk up to each other. Person A says to person B, hey, how's it going? Person B responds, good, I'm just busy. I'm just, bu- have you ever said this statement before, right? You've probably said, good, I'm, good, I'm just busy. You, you never hear this scenario, right? Person A walks to the person B. Person A says, hey, how's it going? Person B says, good, I'm just really bored. I don't really have anything going in my life right now. Uh, I'm pretty much a loser, so there's that. Like, no, nobody says that. Like, and it doesn't matter what your busy is. That's what's crazy about this statement, right? Your busy could be leading a Fortune 500 company or raising five kids, or your busy could be, I'm really falling behind in my Netflix watching. Like the new season comes out on Friday and I'm halfway through the earlier season. I got to catch up because it's coming out and I'm, I'm getting really behind. I'm really busy. 
But American businessman Warren Buffett worth $105 billion with a B, in an interview last year, he coined this phrase, busy is the new stupid. Busy is the new stupid. So next time somebody walks up to you and says, how you doing? And you want to say busy, just sub the other word in, right? Good. I'm just stupid. So <laughs> it's like, just kidding. Don't, don't say that at all. But you know, that, that phrase is crazy because sociologists have studied this phrase. They, they desire to see this good, I'm just busy. They, they had been hearing this so much that they wanted to know in the United States, was there any group of people or location that did not use this phrase? So they did this massive study uh, and they found out, no, that in the US, we all use this statement. It doesn't matter where you grew up. doesn't matter how much money you make. doesn't matter what color your skin is, that we all say, good. I'm just busy. In fact, uh, American uh, Time and Labor Bureau, uh, we pay taxes for this study could come out, um, which is, which they wanted to know how do Americans use their time? So they did this big study and uh, basically the result in the study was over 2019 and 2020. The results were published in July of 2021. And this is how they figured out. This is how we use our time. Uh, the average American puts their time. Uh, the average American works eight hours every day, which is actually an increase from the previous two years uh, of actually working. Like that wasn't time taking breaks that are during COVID, our time working actually increased by half an hour because we spent less time taking breaks, less time like searching Facebook or something like that. Like all the Zoom meetings and all those different things made us actually increase our time working. The average American increased uh, their decrease of time traveling, like in the car to and from different locations to only 1.2 hours every day. The average American spent two hours a day in childcare, which you may laugh at that and be like, I wish it was only two hours. Uh, or others of you may be like, I don't have any kids, so that doesn't apply to me. Remember, this was an average American. Uh, and here's the staggering number. The average American spent 5.5 hours on leisure activities. It means watching TV and social media fall in those categories. And that was only a like 0.2 hour increase from the previous two years. So COVID really didn't affect the, how much time we're watching TV or just distracting ourselves, if you want to say it like that. And the, the last category that was notable was 2.5 hours every day doing household duties that you don't get paid for, cooking, cleaning, etc. And you may hear those results and think, oh yeah, that, those, that really isn't me because maybe you spend more time raising kids. Maybe you spend less time in leisure. Maybe all your extra time is in your side hustle because you're a student or you have uh, one job isn't enough for you. You got a side business of whatever that may be. Uh, and you grind, you know, and I would make the argument that all these people, the whole sliding scale spectrum is desiring to find purpose. We hustle, we grind, or we distract because we're looking for purpose. Yet the problem is, is if you're a follower of Jesus, and if you're not here this morning, we're glad you're here, but if you are a follower of Jesus, and you live your life in this way, either distracted or in a hurry, that's not the way that we find Jesus living his life. Because to be a follower of Jesus isn't just to believe what he said, but it's actually to do or live the way he lived. And there isn't one time in the Bible that we find Jesus in a hurry. I looked, I, try, I tried to find it. I tried to find one time that he seemed to be in a hurry that he was like, Matthew, get out of the boat. We got places to be. Like, no, he never said that. <laughs> Peter, get off the donkey. Come on. Like tie that thing up. We got places to go. Like, no, we never, we never find Jesus doing that. In, in fact, we find verses like this all over the Bible. Matthew 4, 18. 
as Jesus was walking beside the sea. If you want to be more like Jesus, don't go on runs, all right? Take a walk. Right? So I, I practice this every day. I don't, I don't run, just, just walk. But I, all, all so much of the time, find myself in a hurry that I, I'm constantly rushing from one thing to the next thing. And in the Bible, if I was just trying to find one place where Jesus fast walked, I thought I would find it when he was walking on water. Because that was like, if any moment in Jesus' life, he should be running or like jogging, keep that momentum up so he doesn't sink, was on top of water. But he's still, he was just, just walking. He just at a slow pace, peaceful pace. I mean, like, think about how peaceful that is, like walking beside the sea. Like, man, that sounds amazing. Especially right now with all the snow that's on the ground, right? And so that sounds incredible. But we don't find ourselves doing that. We find ourselves rushing from one thing to the next thing. So much so, two cardiologists actually deemed a new sickness when they found all these linkages to hurriedness, or if you want to say fast pace of life, and cardiac problems. And this is the definition. They called it hurry sickness. It's deemed like this, a pattern behavior characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness, an overwhelming and continual sense of urgency. Some of you are like, man, you just put a definition to the way that I feel on the inside. <laughs> and there's good news. You don't have to text your cardiologist right now or jump on to any app that your doctor may have you linked to. We can take the test. It's six simple questions. If you answer yes to any one of these questions, we're going to take it together uh, as a church family right now. Um, just answer yes to any of, these one, any of these questions. Just give yourself one point. And if you answer no, don't do anything. Okay, here they are. Six questions. Number one, you treat everything like a race. Grocery lines, changing lanes while driving. See myself giving myself a point, all right? Everything's a race. Number two, you find it impossible to do just one task at a time. You say, well, Daniel, I'm just a good multitasker. That, that means give yourself a point, all right? Number three, you get highly irritable when encountering a delay. Like you're like, oh, I got this. I got five things to do today. I got to go to Wegmans, get this one thing. And then like, oh no, I know that person down that aisle. Just, just loop around, loop around. Like don't, don't go talk to him, loop around. <laughs> you're laughing because it's you, all right? <laughs> Number four, you feel perpetually behind schedule. I know this is me like all the time. Like uh, my Google calendar didn't alert me that I had this meeting and I got to run down the hallway, like physically sprint. This is me all the time. Number five, you interrupt or you talk over people. Number six, you're obsessed with checking things off your to-do list. Anybody score a zero? Anybody? We had one in the last service. Okay, we, I think we have one or two in this service. We need to talk to these people afterwards, right? Because figure out how they're living their life. And here's the tip. Here's just a quick tip, all right? If, if you like took that quiz, chances are you fudged the numbers a little bit. Let someone that you uh, love or know best take it for you. Maybe that's a spouse, a coworker, a good friend. Because chances are you experience a different version of you than other people do. So give it to them. And Jesus, in these different moments in his life, different people ask him questions. And there's this one time that a religious leader asks him, what's the most important thing to focus on in life? And he answers like this in Matthew 22, starting in verse 37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. The, this is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. So Jesus doesn't give one, but he gives two things to focus on. Loving God and loving people. The problem is, is when we define love by our own standards of what we think love should look like and how it should function. 
But good thing is the Bible doesn't allow us to do that because there's a whole chapter on this is what love is. And in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, one of the first things that Paul tells us love is, is love is patient. And Jesus had this slow pace in his life, always ready to be interrupted by any opportunity that came his way. A person needed him, he was right there. He was there and he wasn't too busy to give them the attention that they sought from him. And you, you may think, well, you know, well, gee, that's Jesus. You know, he, he's not, uh, wait, what? The mo- Jesus, the most important person in the world, packed schedule, right? People hunting him down. Multiple times in the gospels, we find them looking for Jesus because they can't find him. And they got things that they feel like they need to do next. He's got a full schedule, packed schedule. And people all the time are wanting him, wanting to talk to him, ask him questions. And he's just going about his day at this slow pace, ready to be interrupted at any given moment. And for you in this whole series, you may feel like all these different habits, like, yeah, they're good. Yeah, they probably would change my life. So let me add them to my calendar. But my argument is, is in the midst of this is unless you slow down, these other habits will easily quickly come and they will go from your life as quickly as they came if you don't take something out. Because you're busy, you're overwhelmed, you feel stretched. Like Drew taught us about prayer, fasting, reading our Bible, getting a community group. And uh, last week was on sacrifice. And it's like, man, all these things are so good. Yes, amen, but I'm feeling stressed. And you're right, you do, because you feel busy. Good, I'm just busy is a good response to how your life feels in this moment. And it's a reality because we fill our times. We fill our whole calendar. We schedule every single moment. But a verse that has been really key in in my life over the past year and a half is Proverbs 4.26, which simply says this, give careful thought to the path for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. The writer of that proverb says, give thought to the way you live your life. Don't just do it mindlessly. Don't let someone just distract you with the next next Netflix season. Don't don't just be so overwhelmed and busy because you're trying to find value. Like, oh, what if I did this thing too? Oh, that looks good. And you just go, 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 go. Give careful thought to the way you live your life. And if you don't like the way you live your life, don't like the results that are presented, change it. Delete something and replace that habit with something else because Jesus had that daily habit of slow living. But it wasn't just by happenstance. It was because, my argument is, that he had a weekly practice. He practiced what in Jewish culture is called the Shabbat, or in English we call this Sabbath. This word simply means to rest or to stop. It was in Jewish customs and culture in the Old Testament, a literal 24-hour period of stopping and resting. And this sounds crazy to us. And so crazy that I want to tell you this. I didn't tell you the name of our second born son. His name is Sabbath. And so uh, his name's Sabbath Jude. And when we found out we were having a boy, that my wife was pregnant with a boy, we FaceTimed all the grandparents and we're doing this big, you know, reveal like, it's a boy, yay, here's his name. And we're throwing it to him. So we're FaceTiming because they live uh, over a thousand miles away from us and all of them do. And we're on FaceTime. It's really cool. They're all, got their, all their pictures there, you know, that they're FaceTiming. Rena's mom and dad, my mom and dad. And we're like, it's a boy. And they're like, woo, you know, cheering up. And they're like, and it's like, do you know a name yet? We're like, yes, we have a name. It's named Sabbath Jude. And then Rena's dad goes, what, what? We don't do that. And so I was like, yeah, 
That's kind of the point. Yeah, it's like, we don't, we don't slow down. We don't stop. This sounds like a crazy principle, but I want to take you back to the very beginning when God instituted the Sabbath in the days of creation, the last day, the seventh day, Genesis 2, 2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. God rested. God rested. Simple, simple as that. God rested. And it wasn't because he was tired. It wasn't because he needed a nap. God rested and he instituted this rhythm of rest in our lives. And so if you're sitting there thinking like, I don't have time for that. Let me, let me just say this again. God rested. But in Hebrew, in the original Hebrew, there's some clunky wording there that we miss in, the orig- in reading it in the NIV in the English. And so I want to read it in the ESV, not in Hebrew, so you can wipe the sweat off your brow, right? And so I'm going to read in the ESV uh, to see some of this clunkiness together. Let's, let's read it together. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed it on the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. You see, this is a weird language. Like he had done, he had done, he had done. Like why is this being said over and over and over again? Well, Jewish theologians who are reading this in the original Hebrew, they have this inkling that it almost appears as if God created something else on the seventh day. And their argument is that he created Sabbath as a time of holiness, a holy unit of time. That all other religions, when their God says, if you want to worship me, you come to this place, you come to this location to worship me. But God in the, the God of the Bible, the one true God says, you don't need to come to a specific place. You need just to make space. You need to make space in your calendar to let the holy invade your life. You need to slow down because Jesus, and that's not to say that gathering together as a church or in your community group is a less holy practice. No, Jesus did those very same things. We should practice those as well. There's something about gathering together as the church, but God created time holy. If you want to encounter him, you don't have to wait for a specific day or to wait for a specific building to open that you need to make space. And so what I want to do in this last couple of minutes is give you four principles for rest and being with God. Number one, we should slow down and rest as imitation. God did it. We should do it. And just one, one thought in, in light of this, if you think about the seven days of creation, God made man and woman, Adam and Eve, on the sixth day. Think, think about this. Think about this with me. If you've read it, just turn to the first page in your Bible, Genesis 1 and 2, God creates Adam and Eve, and he gives them these big, crazy uh, to-do lists. He says, go and do the things I've done. Be my image. Rule the, the animals and the trees and the plants and spread out Eden all over the earth. And his first day of complete being, he says, but first, rest in me. First, rest in me. If I was Adam, Adam, I'm like, God, we ain't got time for this. You gave us this big task list. Like, we don't have time. But he says, no, rest in me. Our culture tells us we work for the weekend, but God says we work from being in him. That the first day of the week, we should be filled with God's. We don't work for our being, but we work from our being. 
And biblically, we see this as a 24-hour Sabbath, resting in God, being filled up to be poured out the rest of the week. God did it, and so did Jesus. And we have this Old Testament, New Testament, uh, it seems like a fight between the, the laws of the Old Testament and Jesus coming in to the New Testament. And time and time again, there's the religious leaders trying to catch Jesus in the act of doing something he wasn't supposed to do on the Sabbath day. And then over and over again, these multiple different ways in the gospels, we find Jesus saying something like this in rebuttal of the Pharisees and the religious leaders. Then he, Mark chapter two, verse 27. Then he, Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Meaning that this, Jesus coming into this legalistic culture about all these do's and don'ts on this specific day that if you, you literally couldn't do these things and you only could do this short list of things, so you had to rest, you had to rest fully. In this super legalistic culture, Jesus is speaking against them. He's like, whoa, whoa, you've missed the point. And I feel like in our hyper grind hustle culture or being super distracted culture, Jesus would say the same to us, that we've missed the point, that we are not living attuned to God's presence, that we're not fully aware of him in our daily lives. That's why that we should practice this regular daily rhythm and as well as this weekly practice. We should, as Deuteronomy says, observe this day. You know, it's like a weekly Christmas without your weird uncle, all right? This is, what, this is what the vision of the Sabbath is supposed to be. It's a weekly Christmas. Think of it like that. You observe the holiday of Christmas. You have to, number two, plan to rest. You have to plan for Christmas. You, you got a nice dinner. You got all these different things. You make a plan for this day of joy and being with friends and family, but you got to plan for that. And that's why Deuteronomy says in verse 12 of chapter five, observe the Sabbath day, a day of rest, by keeping it holy. Observe it, make a plan. Our culture, we get how to do a lot of things, but we don't get how to be fully restored and rest in our daily lives. We get how to work, we get how to shop, we get how to consume, we get how to numb ourselves from a lack of purpose that we feel in our lives, but we don't get how to genuinely rest and be restored because the vision that the Bible presents from beginning to end is a, is a day, is a pace of life that is restoring and soul-filling joy. That's why, number three, we rest as reflection. Reflecting on God's grace and the gift of his presence in our lives. We reflect on Jesus. That's why we, uh, in the soul-filling joy part of that, in our family, we've started practicing on the Sabbath or the day of stopping, as we call it in our family, uh, pleasure stacking. Everything that brings us genuine soul-filling joy and being great, more grateful to God because of, we do. So this list for us looks like this. It's time with my wife. It's time to play with my sons. It's time of riding my bike when there's not 12 feet of snow on the ground. Uh, it's time for drinking good coffee. It's time to take walks. It's time to talk with good friends. It's time to be fully present and connected to the people that I love the most and more grateful to God for after spending time with them. It's a day of enjoying life, good food, and family. And so we, if we practice this, this vision of Sabbath is this vision of resting in God's presence is what the Bible presents. And that's why number four, we rest as a reminder. Because you know, if you, if you put this in your life, let me just be honest with you. It's gonna be a weekly reminder that you're not God. 
That's what it is for me every single week. Because if you genuinely stop, our culture paints this picture that even on your day off, it's code for doing all the work that you don't get paid to do. The paying the bills, running errands, cooking, cleaning, all these different things that you have to do. But for us, if you genuinely practice this and wrestle this question to the ground, what makes me more grateful to God when I do it? What makes me more grateful and soul-filling joy after we do these things? What makes me more aware of God's presence in my life as I do it weekly and as a normal rhythm in my life daily? Then we rest as a reminder because Colossians 1, 20, 17 says, he being Jesus is before all things, not me, not you. And in him, all things hold together. Man, how, how many of us think in our lives and our jobs that we're holding it all together? In this family, if, if I wasn't here, it would just boof, crumble, fall apart. I'm the glue, I'm the tape, I'm holding this thing together. And if you practice this rhythm of slow living and rest, it'll be a weekly reminder that no, you're not. God is holding all things together. It's a day that normally that I want to practice reminding myself of how far God has brought me and how much he has worked in my life. It's simply just saying, thank you, Jesus, for doing a work in me that I tried so long to do that I couldn't produce on myself. And in Hebrews chapter three and four, these two chapters, there's this massive section all about rest. If you read it in your Bible, you're gonna see that word rest come over and over and over again. And the writer actually uses two original words in the Greek that both mean rest, but they're different types of rest. One of them is a rest about a physical rest, talking about this, this day of rest. The other one is talking about a spiritual rest, an inward rest rest, soul-filling joy rest, right? That only comes by resting in Jesus. And that's why the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 4.11, when he ends this section, says this, therefore, let us therefore strive, make every effort to enter that rest. Make every effort to experience it. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, it's not just good fire insurance so you don't go to hell one day and you get to be with him. But he says, I want you to experience my presence now. I want you to experience life with me, attuned with me, being aware of me right now. And maybe for you, you're, you're hearing this message and you're like, man, that, that sounds like a pipe dream. If you only knew, Daniel, what my past week or what my season of life was right now, you wouldn't be talking about resting. You would just be saying like, I can't believe you're in that scenario, whatever that may be. Because you're broken over sin that exists in your life or sin in your family or the brokenness of our world around you that I don't know your situation. You're right, 100%. I have no clue. But to every single one of us, Jesus has the same proposal. When talking about rest, if you want to find real, genuine rest for your soul, he simply says this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So it doesn't matter what spectrum you find yourself on, that you can find rest in Jesus. And just like our campus pastor said, there's gonna be an emphasis on prayer this morning. If you're heavy burdened, bogged down by life, and what the world has thrown at you over the past week or this season of life, 
we would love to invite you during this last song just to come and pray. Our prayer team at all of our campuses is gonna be moving now. They're gonna be down front and you could come and pray with them. If you're watching online, we'd love for you to jump into the chat and a host would gladly love to communicate with you and pray with you over whatever scenario that Christ is our cornerstone. He is where all our hope is found. But if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're listening in this morning, you could take these principles and apply them to your life and you will find that you'll have more energy throughout the week. You'll be more aware of other people in your life. But I would make the case that you'll never find genuine soul-filling rest because that is only available in Jesus. And his invitation to you is the same that it is to everyone. Come to me. And if that's you and you're interested about having a conversation or accepting Jesus and beginning a relationship with him, the same is for you. During this last song, please come down front. We'd love to chat with you. One of our prayer team members would love to talk with you about what it looks like to start a relationship with Jesus. His invitation is the same to us all. And the offer to model our lives after his life is for us all. Slow down to speed up. Because he was a man that lived so intentionally and on purpose. Consider the path of your feet. Consider the way you live your life. And is it producing the results that you desire? And if not, maybe consider changing it. Maybe consider following Jesus a little more closely. Let's pray. Father God, we love you so much. Thank you for your word and the model that Jesus lived his life. That there is rest available right now for us, genuine soul-filling rest, spiritual rest and physical rest that he offers us. God, I pray that you would teach us how each one of us should apply this word to our hearts and the way we live our lives. We pray for every person in this room and watching online every campus that those who are weary and heavy burdened, that they would come to you to find real rest. In Jesus' name, amen.